verse 1 through 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You may be seated. This parable here in John 10 is more like a proverb. It gives us a word picture of who Jesus is. Jesus, our great shepherd. This idea of Jesus being our shepherd did not start just here, but is found throughout the whole Bible. The children of Israel are often referred to as the sheep without a shepherd, and that the Messiah is to gather, that up, gather them up as a shepherd. Jesus, different times in the gospel, refers to Israel having no shepherd. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He is often referred to as a good shepherd. Psalms 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 78, 52 but made his own sheep to go forth like sheep, but made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Psalms 95, 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, uh, sorry, I don't have the rest of that verse written down. Harden not your hearts, I think it says, I'm not sure.
95.7. For he is a God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So yeah, Jesus is often referred to as a good shepherd even in the Old Testament. The people in that time knew what it was like to be a shepherd. Their fathers were shepherds. Uh, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, and David. They knew what it was like, the life of being a shepherd. Life of being a shepherd was a difficult job in Palestine. In early morning, the shepherd led forth the flock from the fold, marching at his head to the spot where they were to be pastured. Here he watched them all day, taking care that none of the sheep strayed, and if any for a time eluded his watch and wandered away from the rest, seeking diligently till he, found, till he found and brought it back. In those lands, sheep required to be supplied regularly with water, and the shepherd, for this purpose, has had to guide them either to some running stream or to wells dug in the wilderness and furnished with troughs. At night he brought the flock home to the fold, counting them as they passed under the rod at the door to assure himself that none were missing. Nor did his labors always end with sunset. Often he had to guard the fold through the dark hours from the attack of the wild beasts and the wily attacks and the wily attempts of the prowling thief. I trust this morning that we can be blessed by Jesus being our shepherd and also learn some lessons in being shepherds. You know, a lot of us have rules of shepherding. Um, I see mom and dad's parents, grandparents. I see um, uncles and aunts. I see teachers and Sunday school teachers. I see committee members and also youth. You'd even have adolescents, and you would be surprised, those that are younger, how much the younger children look up um, to you. That's a great opportunity to shepherd young lives. So as we look here in John 10 on um, Jesus' um, word picture here to us, we need to get the background of this um, parable. And in order to get that, we need to backtrack a little bit, go back into chapter 9. And all the way back to chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, we see Jesus here saw a blind beggar he was blind since birth. And the disciples asked, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? And I want to read the reply of Jesus, verses 3 to 5. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus healed this man by mixing mud and putting it on the blind man's eyes and instructed him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the thing that um, was interesting, this healing, all this was done on the Sabbath day. The neighbors who knew the blind man brought him to the Pharisees. And I want to read verses 15 to 17. It says, Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I wash, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. 
They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The blind man and the Pharisees kept going back and forth um, the rest of the chapter, which resulted, and they also went to his parents, and which resulted in the blind man being cast out of the synagogue. And we see that in verse 34. Um, after that, Jesus um, found him and tells him who Jesus is and also his mission on earth. And I want to read John yeah, th verses 39 to 41. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we, are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. So we see now in chapter 10 um, who his audience were, that his audience to, um, were the Pharisees and his disciples. And Jesus was describing um, what the Pharisees, um, who he is. He was describing to the Pharisees who he is. Um, in verse 11, he says that I am the good shepherd. And by Jesus saying that, they knew what he was referring to. Because oftentimes, like I said, in the Old Testament, it says how the Messiah was to come and be the shepherd to the children of Israel. Jesus was also describing to the Pharisees who they were, that they were the thief and the robber, as it talks about in verse um, 2, or verse 1 in chapter 10. They were false teachers who did not care to instruct men, but abused their confidence for their own gain. Um, also, the word robbers has the idea that they, use, they also use violence for their own gain. They were destroying the people around them. And I want to go back, keep your finger here in John 10, go back to Ezekiel 34. And maybe perhaps this was a portion in the Old Testament that the Pharisees were thinking of when Jesus said that he was a good shepherd. And then I want to read some of these verses in here. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's going to get kind of long. But I'm going to read especially verses 1 to 6. And this is talking about how the leaders in Israel, how they were leading. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The disease have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which you was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. But my, she my sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. So we see here in these couple of verses exactly how the leaders of Israel were doing. They were, it was all pretty much to themselves. They were um, feasting them themselves and not... Um, taking care of the flock. I'm um, going on now to the judgment of these leaders in verses 7 to 10. 
Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I would deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. So we see that God delivered them from the um, hands of the leaders. And I want to read verses 11 to 16. Keep on reading there. And this speaks about the restoration of the flock. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down and saith the Lord. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I would feed them with judgment. So here we see the regathering of the sheep. And I think that's referring to the end times. Um, in, the, in the future when Jesus is going to gather his sheep together again. The Jews. And verses 23 to 29, I'm not going to read that, but it talks about how Jesus will take care of them and feed them, um, be there for them and care for them, um, opposite from what was happening in the beginning part of the chapter. And in verse 30 and 31, I'm going to read that. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. And I am your God, saith the Lord God. So back now to chapter 10 of John. Um, I think possibly the Pharisees um, knew a little bit about what Jesus was talking about. Um, about um, his description of the false leaders in the beginning part of the chapter. There are some truths um, in this portion of John 10 that I just want to go over, um, verses, especially verses 7 to 18. Um, and I have 16 truths, and um, trust me, I don't think it'll be long. Um, but anyway, let's go. Um, first truth that is found here in verse 7. Um, Jesus is the door of the sheep. The sheepfold was a, round, was a round rock wall with an opening for the sheep to enter. The shepherd would, would herd his flock into that enclosed area and then lie in the entrance so that the sheep could not get out and nothing could get in. 
Psalms 118, 19 to 20, um, it talks about how Jesus was the gate. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteousness, the righteous shall enter. Jesus is the one through which we go in and out. The name of him who brings salvation to those who follow his guidance. And you know, when you think about a door, it's a, a door is, keeps things in and it keeps things out. Jesus offers protection and security for his sheep. The second truth that we find um, in verse 8 all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. All previously announced messiahs were false. <clears throat> we can tell that because of the character of the true shepherd. He sacrifices his life for others while the false shepherds are out to benefit their own lives, to give themselves a name, to build themselves up. The third truth that we see here in verse 9 um, Jesus is the way to salvation, and he is the only way. John three fifteen to 18 and verse 36 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Yes, Jesus is the way of salvation. If we trust in him, believe in him, he gives us um, everlasting life. We shall never perish. In other verses, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I said that Jesus is the way to salvation. What are we saved from? We are saved from the wrath of God. Um, it says in verse Thessalonians 4 that God hath pointed not unto wrath. Um, also, we are being saved from the enemy of our souls, Satan, and his tax that he has for us. Um, does that mean we have no more temptations and trials? No, I don't think so. But when those times do come, we can turn to Jesus who can comfort us through his word, the scriptures. We have a place of refuge in Jesus. He provides security um, to us. The fourth truth that we can see here in verse 9, anyone can go in and out and be perfectly free, freely moving about in the secure provision of the shepherd. There is freedom in Christ. John 8, 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth that makes us free? It is God's word. It is not by, by feeling, um, but by what is, we know is written in God's word. You know, we cannot depend on our feelings. That does not make us, give us freedom. But it's only with what is written in God's word. If we depend on our feelings, I know that's the case for me, one day we are saved and the next day we are not. One, the next day when we are discouraged, we feel discouraged and lost. But God's word said, it says, whosoever believeth, um, he shall be saved. 
And I think if we stand on those promises, um, it can give us assurance in our lives and freedom. When we have the truth in our hearts, we have nothing to fear. There is no enemy that can destroy us or falsely accuse us. The fifth truth that we can see in these, this portion is verse 10. Um, the devil's work is to steal, kill, and destroy. In Jesus' time, when a thief would come to steal a sheep, and remember how they get in, we see that in verse, um, beginning part of the chapter in verse 1. They climbeth up some other way, climbing up over the wall. It would be difficult to carry a live sheep that doesn't know this person up over the wall. So they would first kill the sheep and then destroy it. How does Satan get this done? It's through the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Through false teachers who twist the truth just a little bit. And Satan does this one step at a time. He first steals, and then he kills, and then he destroys us. And that's life forever in hell. The sixth truth that we see here in this chapter is um, Jesus has come so that men might have abundant life. In verse 10. <clears throat> this is exactly the opposite. This is the exact opposite from the work of Satan. Satan's work is to destroy. God's work, Jesus, come so that we may have life. What does it mean to have abundant life? It is life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God. Bless the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection we will live forever in a much fuller way. The seventh truth that we see here, um, and I refer to that in verse 11, Jesus is the good shepherd. And first. Peter 5, 4, it says that uh, Jesus is the, is the chief shepherd. He knows what we need and what is best for us. He cares for his sheep. Um, he is our chief shepherd. He is the one in charge. Uh, remember I said something about that we all um, have people to shepherd. But we look to Jesus as the chief, chief shepherd. The eighth truth that we see here in this chapter, Jesus redeemed the sheep by dying in their place. And we see that in verse 11. He giveth his life for the sheep. Christ died so we didn't have to, so we wouldn't have to. He took the penalty for our sin so we wouldn't have to go through it so that we could have life. Isaiah 53 3 to 7, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And, his, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the, the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Yes, Jesus redeemed the sheep by dying in their place. First Peter 2.24, who his own self bare our sins in his, body, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus laid his life down for his sheep. And I think that is the difference between Jesus, our great shepherd, and the false teachers that are around us. Are we laying, even for us, do we lay our lives down for the sake of others? Or are we, like it was in Ezekiel 34, um, doing it for our benefit, for our gain? The ninth truth that we see here in um, verse 12. The hireling shepherds flee from danger and leave the sheep to death, destruction, and division. These hirelings, these hirelings took the job only for themselves, not as an opportunity of serving Christ and doing good. They don't care about the sheep, but only about themselves. The reason is because the sheep are not his. Are we involved in serving others or are we focus on ourselves? And the quest, another question we could ask, are we causing division like these hirelings were? The Pharisees were causing divisions in chapter 9. And also we see later on in this chapter um, that they cause divisions. Because some of the Pharisees did not want to yield to the truth. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 to 15. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is a, no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. That's exactly how these Pharisees were. They were ministers of righteousness. They were transformed as the ministers of righteousness. They looked like they were good. They looked like they had the light but they were um, evil workers. The tenth truth that we see here, Jesus knows his sheep, and they know me. And we see that in verse 14. The sheep are his. They know his voice, and they follow their shepherd. They will not pay attention to the voice of a stranger because they do not know him. The stranger has no right and no authority to the shepherd's sheep. And I think that's the key there. They had, the, the stranger has no right to no, no authority to the shepherd's sheep. Jesus has authority and right to his sheep. How do we do this as far as knowing Jesus? How do we know Jesus? Philippians 3, 9 to 10, it says, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by, fa by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So it's through faith in Jesus Christ um, is the way that we um, know him. It is by believing in him that he is enough for us in our sin problem. And I think it's kind of interesting in um, verse 14. It says, 
that I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. Jesus knows us first before we know him. And it's because of this truth that makes us want to know him. He died for us first. He loved us first. The 11th truth that is found here. Jesus knows the Father and the Father knows him. In verse, verse 15. The Father and Jesus work together in harmony, just like a married couple should. It was the Father who sent Jesus. And Jesus was dependent on the Father to carry out his work here on this earth. They work together in harmony. The twelfth truth that we see here in verse 16. Jesus has other sheep which are not of this fold. They will hear my voice and come into the fold having one shepherd. Who are the other sheep who are coming into the fold? And then remember who I was talking or who we were talking about here? Who was the who was the audience? It was the Pharisees, the Jews. The Gentiles weren't a part of this. But Jesus has other sheep to bring into the fold. The Gentiles, us, we are invited to come into the fold um, with the Jews. And one thing that I really appreciate here, um, we are united together and we have one shepherd. Verse 16, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, and them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and they and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. We are all united together with one shepherd. We are adopted into the family of God with the Jews by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The 13th truth that we see here in this chapter, God loves Jesus because of his sacrifice for, his, for, his, for the sheep. In verse 17, there are two different times that God said, this is my beloved son in whom, in whom I am well pleased. We uh, remember in the transfiguration, he said that, and also um, right after he was baptized. In Isaiah 42.1, God said that his soul delighteth in Jesus The 14th truth that we see here um, in verse 18. No man could kill Jesus because he volunteered to die for men. And we talked a little bit about that before, about how Jesus gave up his life to care for the sheep. Um, He did it himself. He volunteered um, to give his life for men, for us. And the 15th truth we see here, um, verses 17 and 18, Jesus was resurrected. It says that in verse 17, the end of of that verse, that I might take it again. And also in verse 18, and I have power to take it again. And as um, I had devotions a couple weeks ago, I think that's uh, um, the apostles in the the book of Acts, they were really talking about. And that got them... um, going and preaching the gospel because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think that's um, the core of Christianity because it's the resurrection that we can have life after death. 
in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 to 22. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also... By man came also the resurrection of dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now the 16th truth that I have here, uh, and it's not in the first um, 18 verses here, but it's in verses 25 to 30. Is all who hear Jesus' voice and do not obey are not his sheep. He knows his sheep. And they follow and obey him daily. To all who obey and follow him, he will give eternal life. And they shall never perish nor be plucked from his hand. I think it's a great promise for each one of us. If we follow Jesus and obey, obey him, he will protect us for he is greater than all. Um, but there are three things that we must do. To receive that blessing of not being plucked out from his hand. We need to hear his voice. We talked about that. And well, first of all, we need to believe. We need to hear his voice. And we need to follow him. And we shall never be plucked out from his hand. He will keep us and protect us. We need to daily take up our cross and follow him. In order to be in his sheepfold. So where are we at? Are we enjoying the shelter and the comfort of the fold of Christ? Are we following his voice? Do we know our great shepherd? Are we giving up our lives for the sake of others? So that Christ can be honored and glorified. Let us continue in one accord following the great shepherd of the sheep. Let us kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for the plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you are our great shepherd and that we can trust in you. And thank you, Lord, that you will protect us and keep us secure in you if we follow you. Thank you, Lord, for our church here. I pray you just guide and direct us, guide and direct our fellowship. I pray that we could be a blessing and encouragement to each other. Thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.